Hello, and welcome to From the Newsroom, a podcast production of Monroe News in Monroe, Michigan. The following are articles that appeared in the Monroe Evening News, forerunner to the Monroe News, from March 1920. If you are having trouble in figuring out your income tax, the following suggestions undoubtedly will put you right. There need be little trouble to figure your income tax. In the first place, it may be worked out by algebra, astronomy, trigonometry, or syntax, and then your answer may be correct. If your income is $2,400 a year, and you have a diamond ring and an automobile, and are married to a brunette girl 26 years old, you take the amount of your income and add your personal property, subtract your street number, multiply by your wife's height, and divide by your telephone number. If you have a child in your family, you subtract $200 from your income, add amount of your personal property, multiply by your waist measure, subtract the size of your collar and your child's age, multiply by the amount you have given the church during the year, and divide by the number of your automobile license tag. If you have a second child, you deduct $400 from your income, add the weight and age of the child, divide by the size of your hat, and subtract the weight of your mother-in-law, After you get it all figured out, you won't have to pay any tax of any name or nature, for they will have you in the booby hatch strapped down. Sergeant Lee Bentley, who was in charge of the local Army recruiting station ever since it was first opened, dropped dead in the office of the Monroe High School building while in conversation with Lieutenant Swanson of Camp Custer and Athletic Coach Parker of the high school Saturday evening at about 7.30. Mr. Bentley intended to attend the basketball game between the Monroe AC team and a team composed of soldiers from Camp Custer, being instrumental from getting the team from Camp Custer to play here, but he died before the game was called. Death was caused by a blood vessel bursting in his head. Sergeant Bentley would have turned 27 in April. He graduated from the high school in the class of 1911, and while attending school, it was his sole ambition to be a soldier. Mr. Bentley was in perfect health, although he complained Friday of feeling sleepy. Tobacco dealers throughout the country admit that the habit is spreading among women to a surprising degree. Theaters, restaurants, and clubs in almost every city of the U.S. are recognizing the fact in the establishment of smoking rooms for their feminine patrons. A Chicago theater manager recently declared that the cigarette box in the ladies' smoking room had to be replenished every day, while the one in the men's smoking room was seldom emptied. He admitted that it could be because men carry their tobacco with them, while the custom of carrying their own cigarettes is not yet universal among women. Nor do the women, tobacco dealers say as a rule, smoke these scented and daintily colored ladies' cigarettes. In the majority of cases, they ask for some mild band patronized by their brothers or friends. Sometimes a feminine smoker even rolls her own, choosing the identical brand of tobacco used by her masculine acquaintances. Statistics tell us that in 1908, there were manufactured and sold in America a little more than 2.5 billion cigarettes. In 1918, according to the Tobacco Leaf, the output in this country was $39 billion. The Methodist Board of Temperance fired the opening shot, stressing the interest effect on the health of women. They deplore the habit as the phase of the present-day feminism that claims for women every privilege enjoyed by men. Women, they claim, owing to their more sedentary life, yield to the habit with far greater abandon than men, and the woman who enjoys her cigarette can hardly endure to be separated from it for any length of time. William Poupard, who has been member of the Monroe Police Department for the past two years, has been appointed sheriff of Monroe County, succeeding Joseph Byerly, who was forced to give up the office this morning at 10 o'clock 
The appointment was made by Prosecutor Hass, Probate Judge Frank, and County Clerk Dull at 2.30 o'clock. When Barely handed over the keys of the office to Coroner Huber, he stated he was not sorry. Barely and the members of the family will occupy the jail residence for several more weeks, Mrs. Barely giving birth to a 10-pound baby boy Friday afternoon. Papa Barely appears to be more interested in their progress than he is being ousted. A proposed law making it necessary for husbands to share their earnings on a 50-50 basis with wives would make it hard for tightwads. Filled with curiosity, the general attitude of Monroe women toward the advocating federal law compelling husbands to give their wives one-half their incomes, the Monroe Evening News women fared forth to get a personal opinion from a number of women and a few men in different walks of life. Prominent society and club women were interviewed, as were clergymen, the wife of a clergyman, housewives, office girls, teachers, shop girls, clerks, policemen, conductors, newspaper men, telephone operators, and others too numerous to mention. To each was asked, how would you vote should the proposed law compelling men to divide their incomes 50-50 with their wives come up for a vote? The responses included from Mrs. George Rye, I believe a man should give his wife an allowance that will enable her to not only pay the necessary expenses, but will allow her to save some for her own personal use. Mrs. John Dewey said, A woman's time is worth as much as a man's, and she is entitled to her share of the earnings. Mrs. R. L. Jacobs said, Surely I am in favor of it. Women should have half their husband's earnings. Why not? After interviewing many, many people on this subject, it must be admitted that the majority of them expressed themselves as decidedly in favor of the law. Of those interviewed, 14 were in favor, 7 were strongly opposed. And finally, Physicians Club is discussing the question of establishing a hospital in Monroe. It plans to hold a meeting with citizens for the purpose of starting a campaign for funds. Scores of patients now being carted to other cities to undergo minor operations, sometimes 12 go in one week. The question of establishing a hospital in Monroe has been brought up any number of times within the past two years, but all of them seemingly died. You just heard some of the headlines from Monroe, Michigan during March 1920. The 100 Years Ago column is a monthly feature in the Monroe News. For today's headlines in audio format, listen to Monroe in a Minute at noon, 3 and 6 p.m., Mondays through Fridays on Rewind 94.3. Audio production by Paula Wethington for the Monroe News. This has been a podcast production of the Monroe News in Monroe, Michigan. Find us online at www.monroenews.com on social media at Screen Name Monroe News and in print seven days a week.